What's up, Manifestation Queens? I have a total treat for you today. And I know I say this like almost every time during every single episode, but it's honestly the truth. I mean, come on. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a long time, then you know one of my favorite topics is money and manifestation, right? The laws of the universe taking those concepts from the laws of the universe and applying them to your life so that you can bring in more money and abundance and happiness and joy and all the things, right? Well, I also, well, by the way, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I love you. I'm so happy that you found us, me. I don't know why I say us. So happy that you found me and that you found this podcast. So this is going to be such a great episode because I really do like the woo-woo stuff, but I'm not like overly woo-woo yet. And honestly, I really love some really practical applications to my life. And I'm sure you do too, because, you know, we all have bills to pay. We, we might have kids. You might have a dog that's very high maintenance. You know, you might want to go on vacation once we're all let out of America. If you're not in America, congratulations, you can probably go see cooler places than us, you know. Anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand, money. All right, so today, my guest on this podcast is Caitlin Magison, and Caitlin is a millennial money and business expert. So she's giving actionable financial advice that you can use right now. And, you know, let's face it, 2020 has been a bit of an interesting ride, right? It's sort of like one of those new rides that they have at Disney and you have like no idea what the hell is going to be happening in it? And you're just like, oh, wow. Oh, cool. Well, that was interesting. And then you're like, never want to go with that again. But maybe you do. Anyway, I know that you will benefit from this chat that we had about money and mindset because I actually learned quite a bit through this as well. And, you know, let's face it. Once you start to manifest a fuck ton of money, you're going to have to figure out what to do with it. And if you can help make your money grow without doing anything else, you're basically manifesting money on top of manifested money and compounding that. That's really magical. So today you're going to be learning about how to really take actionable steps in this area. And, you know, Caitlin grew her income from 24K per year at 22 years old to multiple six figures by 29. And during this, she had credit card debt. She was investing in retirement. She was traveling the world. And that's basically to say that nothing has, you know, you can basically do it all, right? Nothing, it's not like an either or situation here. And and we're going to tell you how today. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. If you do, I want to invite you to <clears throat> check out... Hello, the Manifestation Queen Academy that is coming up soon because money is going to be a big topic in there. In addition to how to manifest, you know, an amazing life that's full of joy and abundance and limitless happiness and, you know, all the things. So you can call in more of love. You can call in a soulmate. You can, you know, start manifest, becoming a master manifester of your life, which literally means creating your life from nothing at all, right? That's what I did. So with that being said, Manifestation Queen Academy is coming back in August and we are going to be having the most epic like time in Manifestation Queen Academy this time around. It's going to be the best round ever. Um, there are nine women that are already in the program and I can't wait for it to begin. So head to manifestation, the manifestationqueen.com slash academy. You can find out more info there and you can get on the list to be on this upcoming round, which starts just in, you know, the end of August. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do, you can take a screenshot, tag me on Instagram at McKenzie. If you have time and you're on iTunes, you can take 
your finger and hit five star review so more people can find us on iTunes. That would be phenomenal and I would love you forever. So thanks again, guys. I can't wait to hear what you think about this episode. Can't wait to hear what is coming in the future and hope you have a wonderful day. Bye. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. Welcome to the Manifestation Queen podcast, your filter-free and uncensored source for all things manifestation. I'm Cassie McKenzie, and I'm a manifestation expert. I'm here to raise your vibes and your cash flow. Listen, I've manifested everything from a beer, a six-figure salary, my husband, and homes, and more. And I am spilling everything I can on this podcast so you can learn how you can do the same. The more fun I have, the more manifestations appear, and the more money I make. So it's my obsession to show you how you can be, do, and have anything you want. So join the movement to raise your income and your impact on this world. Become a manifestation queen and create a life that feels like a vacation. Let's do the damn thing. Well, you we are talking about my favorite topic today which is money. Yes. I know. I was listening to your five day challenge, um, yesterday that you recorded and I was like, Oh my God, we both love talking about money. This is fantastic. (laughs) That's awesome. Which, which challenge was that? Oh, it was, you were, it was a recording from, I think your free challenge or it was your, uh, your five manifestation money manifestation. This is a manifestable or a yeah. I yes, it may have been. I know it was something punny. It was cute. <laughs> cool. Yeah. You know, um, I absolutely am really obsessed with learning new ways to teach people about how to become wealthy, you know, and, and about money and mastering money. It's, it's, but it's funny because all the same principles work, whether you're, you know, intentionally bringing money into your life or, like health goals or whatever. It's yes. just that some of us are a little like, and not some of us, we're, we're all a little better in some areas and resistant in others. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's really interesting. So well, let me, let me go ahead and introduce you. I'm okay. so excited to get to catch up today. So <laughs> Caitlin Magnuson, you are foolproof finance pro. I love it. Bookkeeper extraordinaire. Well, you're probably cringing because I still haven't done my taxes and freelance hustler. I love it. So you're a lover of life, travel, financial independence. I have to agree with all of that. So Caitlin teaches you how to automate your money and hit your big financial goals while still buying those daily lattes and weekend brunch, which I love brunch. I love mimosas. And this sounds like a great match. So, (laughs) so who doesn't love brunch? I know. Right. I mean, yeah, definitely people who need to reevaluate their priorities. (laughs) So, (laughs) so tell me a little bit about you and how you got started doing this. Oh man. So we're going to do a very abridged version, but way back when I have always been really great at math, like was bused to the high school and middle school because after fighting with teachers and principals and you name it, we finally made the point that I should actually be allowed to advance to the level that I was at. All well and good. I was kind of, I'm not going to say the weird kid out, but I always like ran with a bunch of different cliques, never had my own, did my own Mm -hmm. thing, which really kind of now that I'm reflecting on it, explains a lot of how I got to where I am now. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was just always really good at math and ended up being um, tapped by someone at the local health club that I worked at as a swim instructor. She's like, you have to come work for my business. You have to come work for my business. And I thought she was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, She was a little bit crazy, but that's beside the point. She brought me in at 18. I worked for her all through college. And I was actually mentored by a woman who had worked for Speedo and Carter's and was really on the cutting edge of working in a very male dominated field and just killing it as a production management, accounting. There's, there's this weird sort of mixed area where you end up in finance, but also in production management. What I mean by that is like making sure that you're ordering 
the proper number of like pieces to make clothes or to make, you know, other apparel assemblies and making sure you're forecasting the right need. Cause the goal is to always have nothing left over at the end of the season. But that really is a, a science and an art uh, and you're never right. You're just always trying to be less wrong, <laughs> um, which is, you know, an, a humbling experience. And she ended up taking me under her wing and I worked with them for four years, ended up starting my own business and then have dabbled with various W2 or day jobs over the course of the last 10 years that have taken me through sales tax, through taxability libraries, through payroll processing positions. And each of those has been a strategic move, whether for more money, for better working conditions or for increased skill sets that have really brought me to the full service business that I'm at now. Yeah. Wow. That does sound like it all fell in line pretty quickly or, you know, really well. Yeah. So now I guess like you sound like you're really great at like analytic, analytically looking at money, you know, like logically and stuff like that. Was that how you would describe yourself? So I feel like I'm a little bit of a unicorn in that. (laughs) Yes, I absolutely have a really strong logical analytical side, but there's a lot of woo involved and I was really resistant to the woo for a a while. Um, And then I ended up getting to the point where like, I I realized I've always considered myself a lucky person and -hmm. therefore I am. And, you know, just some other reinforced beliefs. Once I kind of figured out like, Oh, it's not all just like, I'm going to say crystals, even though I have crystals, but like, you know, me 10 years ago was like, this is a bunch of bullshit. Like I don't hold any belief in it. And then I was like, oh, actually I do. Even if I didn't realize I did. So yes, I'd say I'm like 75% nuts and bolts, you know, very like executable, um, and actionable steps and tips with that, like 25% of no, you know, there needs to be intuition and manifestation. And like, you need to actually be listening to yourself as you go through this process and doing what's right for you. Totally. Yeah. You know, um, there really are like two different kinds of laws of money. I was actually reading this in a book earlier today that I've had this book for like six months and haven't really looked at it. And I opened it up and I was like, Oh my God, my favorite topic money, of course. (laughs) But I was reading and I never read the introductions of a book. I always like skip past that and go just like straight into it, but right. The meaty stuff. Right. I know. So I, um, I was looking at the, or I was reading the introduction and literally it said, there's two kinds of laws of money you'll want to follow to create and keep it. And one is the spiritual laws that make you magnetic to money and abundance. And, you know, the money that comes will bring you that your highest good if you're following those laws. And I've done like a couple different master classes on like the 12 universal laws of manifestation mm-hmm. and I apply it to money. But a lot of times what you don't find in these spiritual books is the next sentence that said the human made laws of money include financial planning, time management, cash flow management, marketing, taxes, business planning. And you have to learn whatever is appropriate to help you understand and work with those human made laws of money as they now exist. Oh my God. I love that. Isn't that cool? So it is like actually saying, you know, because so many people are like, no, no, it's all about like throwing your energy out and you know, what if in your way into financial <laughs> prosperity and like for some, you know, but you also need to know and apply common fucking sense. And, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. Like how does this work in the world that we live in? Yeah, for sure. You know, like knowing what your interest rate is, like, does it make more sense to pay a $4,000 balance off or would it cause you less stress? to pay 2000 and pay like, I don't know, $50 just to have that, you know, extra, you know, yes. you know what I mean? Yes. So, no, like, you're speaking my love language. That's a conversation I have all the time with people where I'm like, so I'm, I'm very anti Dave Ramsey personally, mm-hmm. um, because I think he is just mired in lack and scarcity and yeah. it hurts. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm a proponent of doing what works for you. But what I, the conversation that I have with people is like, you can look at this really logically. Like if you have debt, say, well, okay, is your debt, you know, if you have a car loan, that's like 3.25% or something. Mm-hmm. And you could be making eight to 12% investing the money that you could be using to also pay. Like if you have an extra $500 a month, what do you do with it? Well, there's the logical point where like, yes, over the next five to 10 years, if you invest that money, generally speaking, you'll have made more than you will have paid an in interest. Most times double or triple more. But 
where is the peace for you? Do you feel more peaceful knowing that you've made more money and you've had someone say a more sound investment, or do you feel better having paid off the car, even though you would have lost some of the earnings? And that's really like a personal question that each client or each person has to go through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like looking at debt from a perspective of I'm choosing to pay this off over time and I'm, you know, looking at it as loaned money from people who are willing to loan it to you, you know, versus oh, absolutely. that's, that's bad. You know what I mean? Um, we, um, there was a point in time where we had, I want to say like 13,000 across, you know, because you do investments in coaches just starting out mm -hmm. and like my husband lives in South Africa. So when we, we can't just one go or he doesn't live there. Oh my God. What am I saying? He's from there. His family. Okay. So like, you know, there was a, a bunch of big expenses that happened all at once that we put onto the, you know, a card. And I was like, Oh, this is bothering me. Like all of this extra, like the, the interest rate, like month over month over month. And I was like, Oh, I need to find a solution to this. And so I threw it out there. Next thing I know, no shit. Like our credit union sent us like a, ba a free balance transfer. Like that never happened. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and we had 12 months to pay it off. And then after that, it was something like 9% interest on whatever the balance was, like nothing basically. You right. Know? And I was like, ah, see, this makes <laughs> me feel so good. This is what I wanted. I'm like, sign up for this. We can transfer everything over there. And then it's paid and it's done. And it's just like no different than a medical bill that they're like, oh, just give us what you can every month, pretty much. You know what I mean? So yes, yes. I'm very familiar with medical bills right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had surgery last year and yeah, it was great. Cause I was like, oh, you know, you're going to have all these bills, but they're fantastic about letting you pay them with 0% interest, like yeah. a portion of the bill every month. I was very surprised with our, you know, I know that our healthcare system is broken and in need of, of fixing, but there's nothing wrong with paying something off over time. Yeah. Um, I ended up because I had access to credit cards, I was able to afford my first, well, first and only hopefully, but I was able to afford my first divorce. Um, you know, at a very young age of 22, I was able to do that and finance it. And I hold no judgment for people that either choose to, or have to use credit cards because especially with our you know economy in a recession, I encourage clients to have credit lines of credit available to them yeah. because yes, manifesting and having clients and all of this is fantastic. But like part of that is using your available resources and credit cards and lines of credit can be great resources. Yeah, totally. Yeah. My, um, so like my husband, it's so funny though, like perception, like people's perceptions based on their background, like this is where the manifestation side comes up. Right. So like, people's perceptions create a story inside of their heads and then they get like emotions, funky emotions attached to it where they're like, create something that I think is great. You might look at and be like, oh my God, you Americans and all your credit, you just pay everything with cash and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, um, okay, let me just run through <laughs> these numbers for you, Mr. I don't look at any bills and let my wife handle all of the shit. You know, like, let's run through everything. And he's like, his jaw opens up at like how much, you know, it's not free to live at the beach, you know? So right. You're in a van and even then like you need gas for it. anyway, I'm getting off topic there. But, like, <laughs> so one day he was like, just shitting on the fact that like we have credit cards and that we're paying things off, which to me, I'm like, this is great. Like we're paying things down. It doesn't bother me. Like this is perfect you know, like almost down to zero, you know, which is right. awesome. And, um, <laughs> I was like, you know what, Ian, here, think about this for a second. You, we, we own two homes collectively, like both of those homes are like, how much did we pay for them? Like almost $600,000, mm -hmm. right? Like we have a renter in our other place. And then last year, we, almost a year ago, we moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. And so we didn't sell our other house because it just didn't make sense to financially renting yeah. it out. And so, so I was like, do you realize if you, if you are looking at debt as all debt is bad, then you are about 
ooh, maybe $500,000 in debt. <laughs> he was like, um, no, I don't want to look at it like that. This is a house. This is an investment. I'm like, yeah, it is. So you get a 30-year mortgage on it. We better like, oh. you know, whatever. You know what I mean? So Yes. No, it's like the things that are normalized. Like having a mortgage is completely okay, but, yeah. you know, having credit card debt isn't or having student loan debt isn't. Like, I'm sorry. All of those are, what did you get out of them? Like, what was your learning experience from it? You know, how did it benefit your life? It, yeah. It's all just the choice to pay something off over time. And yeah. a lot of times as a strategic move, it's definitely smarter in my opinion to have paid something off with a loan, assuming the interest rate is low, because yeah. you can do a lot more with the available money that you could have also sunk into that. Totally. Yeah. And like I, so on your bio, Oh wait, you can't minimize zoom when you're recording. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to close that to the back. Well, of course I closed that window out anyway. Um, <laughs> You know, you said to keep the lattes. Now, this is something I'm always saying to uh, my family too, because like, you know, I think that's a Dan Dave Ramsey thing, right? Isn't it? Or something where it's like, don't go to Starbucks. Make Him and Susie Orman and all, yeah, all the just yeah. stodgy. Yes. Right. Who obviously have never had to go and put some earphones in and do some work at Starbucks for three hours, right? So like, I'm always <laughs> saying like, you know, if it brings me sanity and if it brings me joy, then it's going to make me more productive, which actually makes me more money in the long run than the, you know, $3 green tea ever did. You know, oh, absolutely. No, Dave Ramsey said something recently that appalled me. He said that you shouldn't be in a restaurant. If you're in debt, you shouldn't be in a restaurant and you're, unless you're working in one. And my jaw dropped. I was reading that and I was like, what the actual hell? Because keep in mind, I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial. Um, and a lot of millennials and Gen you know, X, everyone has, or a lot of people, I shouldn't say everyone, has student loan debt. And even if you were to take all other debt out and look at student loan debt, for a lot of people, student loans, they're planning to play, pay off over, you know, 10 to 30 years potentially. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that, you know, oh, you should basically not have a life and work yourself to the bone and have no enjoyment and no pleasure because, you know, he doesn't advocate having any, you know, fun money and have a thousand dollar emergency fund basically wow. until your debt is paid off. Like what a miserable fucking existence. Yeah. What's the point? Like that sounds terrible. And then you start to attach, like, I'm a huge, like I, I absolutely hundred percent believe like all the feelings that you attach to various things in your mm -hmm. life are what mm -hmm. is going to bring you more or less. Right. So like fear and lack and scarcity is so easy for us to access because we're like bombarded with it all the time, you know? So if you ask yes. somebody, when's the last time you felt excited about money? Like I bet 90%, maybe 99 of the population would be like, um, uh, never. Yeah. I, mean, I don't I remember. And like, yeah. I got birthday money. Tea, it'd be like $20 to go upstairs and give them an iced tea. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's, it's crazy. Like I still have credit card debt now and a you know mm -hmm. ridiculously huge mortgage because we bought a beautiful half million dollar house this last year. Like it's mm -hmm. fantastic, but you bet your ass, like, yeah, I'm still going out to do things. And like, especially during COVID I've been going out and getting takeout as available mm -hmm. and tipping really graciously because I can, yeah. and because I want to be able to spread wealth where I can. And yeah it's important to me because I can support businesses that I want to see make it through this. And I feel that that's my responsibility to do and my pleasure, frankly. Right. Yeah. Because they provide a lot for you. You know, it's like, it's like saying you're not going to love your husband just because he unloaded the dishwasher the wrong way, you know, <laughs> or like pissed you off for like a week straight. And you're like, right. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, yes. it doesn't necessarily work like that now, does it? So yeah, I, you know, it's so interesting because like a lot of these, you know, quote unquote, traditional gurus about money are the ones that will scare the pants off of you to actually enjoy spending money. And to me, if you don't enjoy spending money and you don't, you know, spend with happiness and gratefulness and graciousness, then what do you think is going to come back to you? Like I have a course called money is your boyfriend. It's about like 
exploring money from a standpoint of like the actual relationship mm -hmm. that you have with money as if it's a real person. And, you know, when you start looking at it like that, and then you wonder why it's not showing up and like knocking on your door because you're afraid to spend it, you know, like what's a couple mm -hmm. extra dollars? Like, you know, our, there's, we did the same exact thing, you know, where we live, there's a really great pizza place that's next to a Thai place. So it's a win-win, you know, like my Ugh. kids can have pizza and we can get Thai <laughs> food and it's like a done deal, you know? And so we kept going throughout COVID for that same exact reason, doing the same thing you did because it brings us so much extra joy to not have to clean dishes and yes. <laughs> have something that's like prepared and warm and not thrown at us, you know, like <laughs> it is so much better. So I feel you there on that one for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. No, it is. It's just, I, all of COVID has, I think, given us a lot of time. At least it's given me a lot of time to reflect, um, on the importance of making an impact of doing the right thing of having the financial freedom to frankly freedom of choice like money to me gives you freedom of choice if you want to be a hermit and live in the middle of nowhere which i live in the middle of nowhere but would not classify myself as a hermit like you, you get to do what you want you know you get to have the house in barcelona you get to travel the world get out of you get my to dream diary how did you know that <laughs> I want an apartment in Barcelona. We want a penthouse in Medellin and we want a house in Iceland. And that's kind of our, our plan right now. Those are three places. Well, we, yeah, we, we travel a lot COVID aside, right. but like, it's just, you get to have so much more impact. And I had an argument with my sister, God, years ago now, who is, I love her dearly, but we, we butt heads like crazy. And she wanted to make the argument. She's like, why are you so obsessed with money? And I was like, because the, it makes the world go round. It's how we communicate with others. It's how we can make an impact. And she's like, well, I can make a really big impact without being rich. And I was like, I'm not arguing the fact that you can't make an impact without being rich or wealthy. However, think of how much you can amplify that impact and speed it up if you were wealthy and were able to put significant money behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of my biggest driving factors. Yeah. So what, what do you like, I mean, aside from that too, like what, what do you think is behind someone's, uh, like hesitance to talk about money, you know, like for instance, <sighs> my husband, you know, like obviously in the coaching world, you start to hear about all these people making 20, 30, 40, 80, a bajillion dollar months, you know, and it's like, mm -hmm inspiring you know but like to my husband he was like i don't understand like to me like you talking about money all the time like that is crass and i'm like well actually it's not like that's the that's the reasoning behind why people have a lack mentality around yes. this personally so what do, what's your philosophy around all this so sex and money are two of my favorite topics <laughs> Um, because I feel like in so many ways, they are both so taboo in Western society. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so I'd say probably in all societies, but there's, there's, um, Puritan sense around both of those where they get very interconnected and that, you know, wanting pleasure and happiness and desire and all of that can really be villainized. And so my lovely husband actually had no idea what I really did until this last year when he started helping me behind the scenes in my business. And he, he's starting to get it now. But we would talk about that same thing, like, oh, you know, my my business coaches are making like fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollar months, and I've just watched them rise over the last several years, and I'm I'm so happy for them. And he sees it as well, they're an outlier, whereas I see it as proof that if they can do it, why you know I can do it too. Like whatever they're doing, and whatever I see other coaches like Amanda Francis yeah. or Sarah Dan having these amazing, spectacular months and years and launches, and it gets easier, and they're providing value. Um, my philosophy behind that is using things to prove, like find the proof instead of looking for why you can't, I always look for why you can and bless his soul. David is so not a woo person. He is, you know, loyal to the core company man who just left his job of 11 and a half years last week. Um, and is now unemployed. Yeah. So he could move. We've been living separately for seven months and he just moved back out here last week. Um, 
but he is kind of doing some soul searching right now. So I'm really excited to see where that ends up because I think he might be at that point now where he's basically, I, I lead by example. He's been starting to see that all of these things that he thought were so unattainable or impractical or not for the average person. And he's like, Oh wait, but we can do that. Like you talk about money because you're, you're knowledgeable in that sense. And like he got over the sex thing years ago because we like our friend group is very open. And I brought in all these people. He was like, you guys are crazy and like not in a bad way, you know, cause like he'd, he'd always dated people that were, you know, the traditional, like when you think of a crazy girl kind of a thing. Um, and then I brought him into my world and my world is a lot of openness. You know, yeah. we can go have like topless river days and go hang out at the beach and like do whatever. And there's just like this very relaxed self-confidence, which also lets us chat about money, chat about what we're making and not in a bragging or a negative or an egocentric way, but in a, let's have this open dialogue so that others know what's normal so that you can actually advocate for yourself. And I think women especially can tend to have shame around talking about salaries or talking about income because it's just, it's not, it's not what you should do. It's not ladylike. Well, I'm sorry, but fuck ladylike. You can be ladylike and rich as hell. Yeah. But I'm not gonna say people society has trained us that that's not okay. I'm a really firm believer of breaking those boundaries down of talking about, you know, the female orgasm and talking about sex and talking about money, because if we don't talk about it, who's going to. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If we, what fucking, what's his name? The boring guy who probably hasn't had sex in a decade, Dave Ramsey. Is that his name? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, I shouldn't have said that, but I did. Oh, well. No, this is he, the uncensored manifestation podcast, right? Someday. Yeah. I, yeah. He just, yeah. I mean, he's, he's everything that I don't want to be. And yes, I understand if his program works, like I am so happy for the people that feel great after getting out of debt. I just disagree with his methods. Well, you know, and his methodology. where they are, you know what I mean? Like he helps, we all are helping people where, where they're ready to, you know, jump into, you know, like some people are at a shallower end of the pool where they're willing to just do the things Dave Ramsey does. And, you know, others are, you know, want to go in free dive into manifestation land. And then I just kind of like to stay where at my feet could touch if I need to, but like, I can still float on like a unicorn floaty if I want to, (laughs) you know what I mean? No, no, I think that's a really good point. (laughs) Yes. Yes. No, I, I, I think that's very correct. Cause I think that a lot of people like, especially in the household I grew up, it would have been easier in their mind to save a thousand dollars a month by cutting expenses somehow Yeah. Mm-hmm. than it would be to just make an extra thousand dollars a month. I would way rather make an extra thousand dollars a month and keep my lifestyle the same. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's really interesting. What, what did your husband do? What kind of job did he leave? Um, he worked for a microelectronics, um, company as a quality assurance supervisor and dabbled in a little bit of everything, um, helped with, you know, building maintenance, things of that nature. And he's, he's very, um, kinetically intelligent. So mechanically inclined, um, you know, works on vehicles, works on the house, all those sorts, Mm -hmm. all the things that I don't want to do that I hire out to do. Um, (laughs) he really excels at doing. So now he's been working outside all day and finishing my chicken coop. Cool. Oh my God. I love it. Well, my husband about a month ago got laid off from his pharmaceutical job. That's what I used to do for about 20 years. Oh, wow. I think after I was laid off like four different times, um, and that's when I just decided to go full-time in my coaching business, um, last year, plus with the two little kids, it's nice to spend time with them before they go to school. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think a lot of people hit this, like, what, like say midlife crisis or whatever, or, you know, they start to look at how they've made decisions along the way and realize I'm not any further, you know what I mean? Than Mm -hmm. I was when I started. And I feel like that is the, like when people are woken up to a new way of thinking, you know, like, like basically I say to people like, well, if your way has worked so well up until now, then wouldn't you have all the money that you wanted? You know, like if, if this way didn't work, then you would have tried it and failed or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, 
you've got to, you've got to be open to a new way of thinking and believing and acting around money than, than you've already traditionally done in order to experience something new. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest keys to all of this, like bringing it all, like doing the practical, but then also the energetics around money, you know, and once like my husband actually has gotten kind of woo, like more and more. (laughs) Right. And God love him. Now he's a vegan. He's got a fucking man bun. I'm like, do you, who are you? Like, you you need to cut my hair. I'm like, no shit. I do. Yeah. I do. Oh my gosh. But like, it's so funny. It's how, how, you know, easily we can change when we want to, you know? And I think money beliefs are the same exact way. You know, once you make that decision and you're open to a new way, then everything starts to really come together, you know, and it might take hearing it a hundred times and then you finally get it. But you know what I mean? It's such a difference maker there. Oh yeah. No, I think, I mean, I've had, God, I'm trying to think of like the best example, but I I relate money and budgeting to dieting a lot. I'm a really firm believer that like you can, I think intuitive eating Basically, once you, once you know the basics, once you feel like you understand, you respect, you enjoy, you spend, you earn money. I really don't, I'm actually very anti-budget. I think budgets are bullshit. And I think they're keeping people broke um, because it's restrictive and it makes you focus oh, yeah. on the lack. And, and like the not whereas, no, I mean, there, there is at the end of the day, are you looking at how much you bring in and are you making sure that your bills are less than that or that you're earning additional money? If so, automate what you're doing, automate your bills, automate your mortgage, you know, spread your bills out to coincide with when your income is coming in or spread your income to coincide with your bills. Um, but once you've done that and you've automated it, that rest of the money is there and it's yours to spend. Like, why are you budgeting? Why are you, unless you love it, which there have been, Maybe 1% of people that I talk to, they're like, no, it's my favorite thing in the world. It gives me control <laughs> over my life. And like, if it makes you happy, I can go for it. Yeah. But for the yeah. majority of us, like who wants to count their calories and weigh their food on the scale and do all of that. And when you're budgeting, especially restrictive budgeting, how are you going to do that for five, 10, 15 years and not go insane or binge or become dependent on it? Mm-hmm. You know? We're like, where you're so dependent on the budget for your guidance that you lose your own internal guidance and then you don't even know what to do without it. You know what I mean? Right. You, you cling to it as like a, a safety yeah. measure. Grippy, clingy energy. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah I've, I've, and then, you know what though? I'll tell you, like for me the biggest part about mastering money and learning more and more and more and teaching more and more women to become wealthy is because like a lot of us are moms or a lot of us have families that, you know, we're like, you know, maybe you don't have kids, but maybe, you know, one of your best friends does or your sister or brother, somebody's, you know what I mean? Like there's other kids around that you see growing up with a potential to have a scarcity mindset, you know? And so like, for me, I want to be able to show the kids how money actually works. Like, can you imagine growing, if you grew up and, you know, like you just knew it, you like, you were fully supported and not because like, you know, mom and dad are rich and they're like, here, here's a hundred dollars, go buy. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I want to teach my kids like the value of money. Yes. And also an expansive view of it. No, I, I completely agree. We actually have, I mean, I moved into a community that has seven full-time residents um, and three part-time residents. And we, so we're very close knit. And there are two girls that live in our neighborhood that have become particularly attached to me mm-hmm. that are nine and 11. And I feel it's a real responsibility of mine to, they have great parents. I mean, fantastic, truly fantastic parents, but where can I step up as a, as an intersectional, intersectional feminist to help build their belief system and show them what is possible from another perspective and help build their experiences and what they can feel is possible in the world. Like what an amazing 
background to be able to come from because I don't have my own children and I don't plan on having them. So Mm -hmm. where in my life can I help influence the future generation with things that I have proven, you know, or disproven, you know, limiting beliefs. And I'm like, that's bullshit. We don't, we don't have to do that. And to help empower the next generation. Yeah, for sure. I know I'm with you a hundred percent, a hundred billion percent for sure. So if you could pick like your top three things to teach the, the upcoming, let's, how about top three things to teach women that they can pass along to the upcoming generation? Let's focus on the now, like the people we can help right now who will trickle it on or the ripple effect, you know? What would you say are the three most important things? God, that's a really great question. Okay. I would say that the first thing is money gets to be fun. Mm-hmm. And it gets to be fun if you choose to make it fun. You know, where. Yes, we all have, you know, bills to pay. I fucking love where I live. I love my house. I love my neighborhood. I love the weather of where I'm at. I love it. Mm-hmm. And when I pay that mortgage payment, I don't dread it. Yeah. I am so thankful and grateful. I mean, I get like teary by myself sometimes when I go pay my mortgage because <laughs> I am so grateful for the life that I have. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that has been a conscious choice for me because it was not always the case. It's really been in the last five years that I have become more aware and consciously shifted and changed my dialogue around money, getting to be fun and focusing on everything that I get to do with money. I get to travel the world. I get to have amazing food. I get to pay for bills when they come up. I don't, I don't want for anything. I mean, yes, we all want things, but I don't want for any basic needs and I get to go do some fun shit and make a big impact in the world. And so I think that's the big thing is money gets to be fun. Money gets to be whatever you want if you choose it. But for me, money gets to be fun. Um, I think the next one is knowing, knowing and learning your money. And that that's a little bit vague, but by that, I mean, and I see this both with business owners and with people in their personal finances, but if you don't know where your accounts are. And I'm not saying, I don't want you to log on and check your accounts every day. Like it's mm-hmm. a little obsessive, but if you don't have a ballpark of where your money's at, of where your money's going, not budgeting, but just understanding like, Oh, I have, you know, my mortgage is $4,000. Mm-hmm. I have, you know, the food that goes there. I have my charitable contributions that go here. And I know where my retirement account is. I know where my investment account is. Um, you know, I know what my savings account is at. I know what my credit cards at plus or minus, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars, depending on how much your accounts fluctuate. I think willfully choosing to be ignorant of your money is one of the biggest factors for not having more money. And so knowing your money and understanding your money, and that's where, you know, working with someone like you or working with someone like me or working with a fiduciary, like just understanding, it's not something that you have to work at every single day or every single minute, but at least being cognizant and aware. And the third one, I'm going to have to think about this for a second. So money is fun. You need to know your money. And I think at the end of the day, I want to see, especially women, being more clear, decisive, and direct with what they want to see in their lives. And that doesn't mean that it can't be subject to change and that there should be shame around changing it. But I can tell you that five years of wishy-washiness got me 10% of the way and six months of knowing exactly where the fuck I wanted to go manifested the sale of my house in four days, mm-hmm. my new place or our, I should say our new place. I've lived here by myself long enough that I keep saying mine. <laughs> I know you're like, I own it, bitch. I've been yeah, here. I know. <laughs> I'm like, I pay the more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's our house. But in, in the matter of, I got really, really clear after I broke my ankle in July and we sold our house a month later for over asking in four days, we found this house the following month and I moved in a month later. And my business exploded. Really? Yeah. How does it explode? Um, I started showing up a lot more. I decided because this this house was a 
very large jump from our last house. I lived in a little, I bought it when I was 20, a little 900 square foot house outside of Portland, sold it for, you know, a lovely profit. And it was, that was the whole point. It was a starter home, but this, this house was three times what that house cost. And I knew that I couldn't play small anymore. Mm-hmm. I was making moves and making changes in my life to move myself the direction that I had always wanted to see. And I had hemmed and hot. I'd wanted to move for five years mm-hmm. and I had fucked around and made yeah. excuses and talked about, Oh, you know, once I have this saved, once I have that saved. And finally, after I broke my ankle, I really had some clarity and I was like, fuck that. There is no reason. Like there, there were two things holding us up mm-hmm. and once I got over those two things, hang on. <laughs> Once I got over, it was where were we going to live? Because we have a bunch of animals. <laughs> okay. Yes, a bunch of animals. So, because we needed the money from our house in order to be able to buy the next house. And what were we going, what was David going to do for work? Mm-hmm. And once I decided his income really ha- hadn't been important in several years and yeah. we asked our in-laws if we could live with them and they said yes. And we did that. And yeah. a month later, like that's it. So it was a bunch of bullshit. So I yeah. think what clarity and decisiveness are probably, it, it wraps all of that together. Like you just need to be clear with where you want to go and shit opens up like Attached to the what, not the how. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I agree so much because like, um, you know, but I feel like sometimes with people, if you're not really clear about what you want to do, like some some people starting businesses know they want, like they're meant for more. They know they want to start something. They're just not sure exactly what to call themselves or what to do. You know what I mean? Like they know they want to help people, but they've got all these ideas of how they could do it. And they're like, it's hard for them sometimes at first to like niche down into what they're meant to do. You know, like you get in your head so much and I see this all the time, but I feel like it all does just lead you down the path to what you're actually meant to do. You know, like you might come into it thinking I'm going to heal inner child wounds and along the way, discover you've, you know, you've got more of these like healing and psychic abilities inside of you that can actually help people in other ways. You know what I mean? But like you had to do the first step to get to the next. And that's why right. you know, some people quit so soon because, you know, we're so used to seeing instant gratification or like quick success. And especially when you're starting a business or you have like this quote unquote side hustle or whatever, you you know, you feel like it's, you know, like when you go through college, for example, you pay money, you get your degree, you come out, most likely you work in that degree. Right. But like when you go and you pay for personal development coaches and business coaches, and then like, you're like crickets, they don't have any response. You know, I've I've made like $4 or three, I think I made like $300 the first year. And it was like, yeah. what the fuck? I swear <laughs> to God, I've spent like 10 grand. Are you kidding me? Like, it's not a linear thing. Right. You know? And so I feel like we expect it and new people expect it to be linear and it's not. And it's like, it scares you out of it or just like burns you out of it because you're not really clear about what you want and how you want to help people, you know? Well, and I think the time. It, it, it not being linear actually excites me because I think I'm a big proponent of, you know, taking beliefs that I don't resonate with and flipping them so that they're positive for me. And with that, like, because it's not linear mm-hmm. on the flip side, that means it gets to be exponential. Like I get to decide, you know, my business has grown 50 to hundred percent year over year. Like that, that's fantastic. I mean, you look at like, traditional brick and mortar and you, you know, it's fantastic if you have 10% year over year growth. And I know I'm not the only one. I see all of my clients and other people around me and other coaches whose businesses are growing exponentially. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it can definitely be disheartening for someone that's just getting started out, especially if they came from a more corporate background where like you do the work, you put the time in, you get the promotion, your, you know, salary goes up and it's all very linear and like commensurate with generally 
effort yeah. and experience and time. Whereas here you can lay all this groundwork and be consistent and do the things and show up every day. And you're like, what the fuck? It's been three months. But yeah. then all of a sudden, like the next month you've hit critical mass and you're like, oh, well, if you don't keep pushing, then you may not have hit that month. You may have stopped at month three and never know you were on the cusp of greatness. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because like the consistency there across the board, like in your thoughts, in your actions, in your belief in yourself and, you know, in your accelerated money mindset, it all goes together. And that's really you know, in posting even, you know, like I see people just give up and go like six days without putting anything up on social media. And then they're like, but nobody's bought my offer. I'm like, well, nobody's posted about your offer, you know? Right. right. <laughs> you're like, you, you kind of have to tell people you're selling the thing in order for them to buy the thing. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I know like Doritos can come out with a new flavor and I am on that shit, but like not as not everybody's going to do that with everything you come out with. You just say one time, right? <laughs> only we could be as big a fans. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. And there are, and once you find those people, like there are a couple of people that got almost everything they put out. I'm like, hell yes. Yeah. And I have cl some clients that are the same way with my stuff because they're yeah. like, they, they resonate so well with how I teach and the, the material that I put out and it just aligns for where they're at in their life and their business. And they're like, why would I not? It's a no brainer because they have so much value from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Oh my God. I love it. Well, um, Oh, I just have one more question though. Yeah. As far as like on the practical side. Oh my God. So I made the mistake of looking at my, um, about a, mid, a month into COVID, I open up my TD Ameritrade account and I'm like, Oh God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> so what are your thoughts on like financial planners and things? Can you give the listeners like a practical, some pointers on how to choose people or choose yes. or things? Cause I know like that's something that like the stock market and me have not always, you know, we are, we are <laughs> better relation. I always had high hopes for our relationship, you know, so I'm working on it. But like, I went through a divorce in my twenties. I was 26 it, and I have the magnet to, that says, why is divorce so expensive? And then the other like person, it's like one of those untainter things like, oh, because it's worth it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so like for sure. I mean, I had built up so much stock, so much in my 401k. Like I did really, really well in pharma sales, especially mm -hmm. in the first 10 years of it. And then my ex-husband, it was like $80,000 divorce here. And it was all like from me, like I was me <sighs> paying him. So, you know, we're working on this relation, not me and the ex-husband, me and the stock market. We're working. Yes. <laughs> so how do you manifest more success with like, you know, your 401ks and IRAs and how to choose a financial planner? Can you talk about that for a minute? Absolutely. So I work with someone who I adore. He, um, He's fantastic. And my biggest recommendation, so actually I have a couple. So if you're going to look to increase your wealth via investments and whether that is retirement, traditional, you know, stock investments, money markets, there, there's a whole suite of offerings that you could potentially look at. And especially if you are self-employed or even if you're not and you're looking for additional options, um, I really recommend working with someone. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest arguments against it that I've heard is well, yeah, but if I'm paying them X, Y, Z, that could be $50,000 over the course of, you know, 50 years or 30 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the person, one of the best examples, and I love her dearly, but she told me that because she didn't want to work with him. And I don't, I don't care if you work with him or not. I'm going to go into choosing the right person. But yeah. if you don't choose to work with someone, your chances of actually making moves right. drop dramatically. So guess what? It's been a year and a half since I talked to her and mm -hmm well about that. And she was like, you know, we haven't invested a dollar. Yeah. What is that opportunity cost over the last year and a half when you could have been investing money? Like, okay, so you're going to pay him 1%, yeah. but it's a drop in the bucket compared to taking, um, 
you know, educated action and having a professional help you. So when it comes to that, I do recommend working with someone. And when you look to work with someone, I think it's really important when you work with anyone to make sure that you get along personality wise and that you feel heard, understood and taken care of. Mm -hmm. And that's how I feel with him. And that's how he specializes in self-employed and entrepreneurial retirement and long-term investment strategies. And mm -hmm. I, I refer him out to everyone because he's truly a joy of a human being, but even better, he is a fiduciary and a fiduciary is both morally and legally obligated to act in your best interest as the client, whereas financial planners and financial advisors are not necessarily, are not, well, they're not, yeah, at all obligated. I mean, other than morally, which we would hope, but the difference between the two of them, they're, they're different pay structures for most of them. And you can ask them. And most people, if you're going to be working with them, they will disclose very clearly, like how they're getting paid by you. Mm -hmm. So in this case, as a fiduciary, he gets 1% of everything that I invest just oh, flat yeah. mm -hmm. once a quarter, it gets automatically pulled from my account. I don't, you know, send him a check or anything like we are good there. It is very, very simple. Whereas beforehand, when he was a financial advisor, um, he would get paid based on the investments he put me into oh. as a commission. So you could see where if you had someone that, and even if they were as ethical as I'll get out, they're still like, oh, there's kind of a gray area of like, well, if this one pays me, you know, $20 and this one pays me $25 and they're both about the same, how much work are you going to put into vetting? Which one's better? Probably not much. And yeah. so most financial advisors are paid on commission and they don't have to work in your best interest. So I always recommend a fiduciary whenever possible. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, just understand what you're doing and make sure they're listening to you. Like with him, you know, I filled out a whole risk questionnaire and um, risk tolerance so that when something like this happens yeah, and it hurts to look at my investment accounts for a bit, yeah. I don't freak out. And that's my number, I don't know, two tip, I guess, or three, somewhere in yeah. there. Um, don't panic because you were in it for the long haul yeah. over the course of five to 10 years. Never in the history of our economy has the economy not recovered. So my biggest recommendation, unless you just like to look, which I do is to ignore all of your accounts right now and to keep investing as per usual. So mm -hmm. if you're normally sending $500 a month to your 401k or your investment account, continue with that because for quite a while there, all of your investments were essentially on sale. So yeah. you were continuing to buy in at a lower level. And yeah. then over the next six months, a year, two years, I expect those to continue to rise back up in value, which they have done. My 401k is actually back up to almost where it was. I expect it to drop again, mm -hmm. but psychologically the drops in your investment accounts hurt much more than any of the bumps in your investment accounts feel good. Yeah. So it's better for you to ignore them and they tend to perform better the longer you ignore them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's what, um, I was, I mean, yeah, that's what I was saying to my husband, like everything, if everything falls and you're, you've got all of this money and now you're investing more and more in things, then eventually when it goes up, it'll be higher than it was before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's dollar cost averaging is the more technical term for it, but essentially like the, one of the best things you can do, one is automate it, big proponent yeah. for that, but two, just be consistent. I mean, just like we talk about showing up in our business, be consistent in your investments. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. just keep that. If anything, I actually bumped mine a little bit during this time when they were on sale, uh -huh. but not by much. I mean, we're talking a couple hundred dollars, um, in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, be consistent because you're going to buy something for less. Now you may buy something for more later. Like it all evens out over the long run and you end up having a more, um, robust and diverse portfolio by the time you're actually ready to use it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, it sounds like they should have called financial planners more the fiduciaries because it's like, it's like douchebags. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'd actually never thought of that before. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have douchebags. Don't have your best interest at heart. So. Exactly. And I'm not saying that they can't, but <laughs> right. they're not obligated to. No, exactly. It's like you go to the car dealership and you know, you know, you get a free car wash when you get your oil changed, but some people are like, do you want it? And like, well, duh. Like, why would I not, you know, yep. my best interest, go, 
help, help a sister out. Like (laughs) get this car clean. Yeah. (laughs) Well, oh my God, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. I love having this like practical side of money added in to the conversation, you know, like it's such a good blend and it's, it really feels like so aligned to, to me, you know what I mean? Cause I feel like, I mean, I'm pretty logical. Like I've always been pretty logical until I realized that like not being logical got me more illogical results, which was good, <laughs> yes. you know, <laughs> but like when you can marry the both of them, it's pure magic. You know, it's like the masculine and yes. feminine energy put together. Right. Yes. You literally took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that like being able to marry those two is magic. Like just straight out of my brain because it it takes the actionable and then it takes the, you know, belief system and structure and you can just, you can really make some amazing things happen. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Ah, well, cool. Well tell everybody where they can come find you. And I have one last question for you, but you tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. Yes. So Instagram, Caitlin period Magnuson. Um, I also have a free Facebook group, millennial money mastered Mm -hmm. and I'm dropping, I mean, the last week or two, I've have had kind of a crazy couple of weeks, uh, as have the majority of us, I think, but it's a fantastic group. It's not just for entrepreneurs. It's really for anyone that is looking to better understand their money. They don't have to be millennials. It's just the vast majority of them are. Um, yeah. And I'm there. Those are like the two best places by far. Awesome. I love it. I'm not a millennial, but I am one at heart. <laughs> <laughs> when I changed the name, I had a couple of people go, can I not be in here anymore? I was like, no, no you're still more than welcome. Like, please don't leave. Hey, listen, I have met people who are 50 year old and like, I feel like they have more energy than 18 year olds. And then, you know, the opposite way, like, yep. opposite, like my uncle, my cousin's husband, Gary just turned 60 and I was like oh my god he is and it my my husband's like oh yeah my dad turned 60 like last you know just a couple weeks ago too and I was like what what like they're such a juxtaposition (laughs) yeah no we have a neighbor who's 75 and when I'm the day we closed on our house was his 75th birthday and I found out that night and I was like what how like I would have easily put him 15 to 20 years younger because he's just vibrant yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, okay. Your last question. This is a big one. Mm-hmm. So what you're, I'm huge on travel too. And I'm curious when everything opens up, what's your first destination? I don't fucking care. <laughs> I just want to get on a plane. No, that was like, I, so I travel with and without my husband. I I've always had itchy feet, wanderlust. I mean, my whole family, like that's, that's how we grew up. And when I met David, he didn't even have a passport. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you're, you don't have to go with me, but I'm not going to stop traveling. Mm-hmm. So uh, honestly, I really, yeah, I really don't care. I feel like probably Europe, um, yeah. I'm fluent in Spanish. And so we spend a lot of time in South America and Latin America, mm-hmm. but I also have a very deep love of Europe and David loves Iceland. Yeah. Uh, we actually got, we eloped there. We've been back several times. Um, but really wherever I can find a flight that I like, cause I'm all about the fewest connections possible, which coming yeah. from Boise is not the easiest. True. Um, but yeah. Yeah. What about you? Oh man. Well, see, we've traveled. I, my, my, well, he's four, my four-year-old has probably more passport stamps than most <laughs> Americans. Like he, when he was one, we had taken him to South Africa um, taking him to Bali, Barcelona. We went for my 40th, um, not last year, but the year before. And so we were actually just talking about Barcelona. Like I totally want to move there to New York. I love Barcelona so much. I actually thought about flying for the weekend just to get pizza. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. I love it. Yeah. It's, um, it's so gorgeous. I, I envision, and I dream journal about having like uh, like living a couple of months out of the year there, you know? Yep. Yep. Nope. That's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. We have the mountain house. I want the, you know, cultured apartment Mm. in Barcelona. Yeah. I just, that is, that's what, that's what I will have. That's what we will have. Love it. Oh, that's so cool. Well, yeah, I think for us, we really want to go to Portugal 
and um, my husband would love to go to Costa Rica, but I've already been there. So I kind of want to, I like going to new places. I get that. You know, and I get that. Have you been to Portugal? No, not yet. That's the only, you know, only Oh my God. Okay. I was in, I had to fly home early from Portugal with COVID. Well, not with COVID, but due to COVID in March. Yeah. And it, Porto is like my yeah. second favorite to Barcelona. Really? Oh yeah. Yes. I actually had friends that all went there. I think like last November they went to Porto and they were there for like a week and a few other places there. It's fantastic. Yeah. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Well, cool. Well, I guess that's settled. There you go. You can go to Porto and I'll go to Barcelona or just really anywhere in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I love it. And, um, yeah, everybody go find Caitlin. You are going to learn so much about money and I absolutely will be bringing more and more and more of these topics to you as we go on. It's becoming more and more clear. (laughs) Everybody needs it. (laughs) Yes. And thank you so much for having me. This was so fun to spend the afternoon doing this. Yay. Me too. I agree. Well, thank you guys for listening. And if you loved this episode, leave a five-star rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you and guys have a beautiful day. Bye. Thanks a million for choosing to push play on another episode of the Manifestation Queen podcast. You truly amaze me. And if this episode blew your mind, then please leave a five-star rating and a quick review on iTunes so more people like you can become Manifestation Queens too. See you next time.